0: Welcome to the Wilton Baptist Church, where we worship God, walk with others, and win people to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Pastor Steve, and our congregation is pleased to share this message with you today, and we pray it'll be a blessing and an encouragement to you. Blessings as you listen or watch. We are in Jeremiah chapter 11, and this will be our final message for a while from Jeremiah. And uh, we've learned a lot, and God's taught us a lot of wonderful things from Jeremiah. We'll come back to it at another time, but the next several months we have some other uh, topics and scriptures that we'll be examining and looking at. Jeremiah chapter 11. That was good singing just now, and uh, really good uh, worship to the Lord, so thank you for your good Participation with that. Perhaps no treachery is worse than betrayal. Maybe from a family member or a friend, Julius Caesar. He knew such treachery. And you can see this uh, rendering, this painting somebody had, The Death of Julius Caesar. Among the conspirators who assassinated the Roman leader on March 15th of 44 B.C. was Marcus Junius Brutus. And the Caesar not only trusted Brutus, he considered him a favored son. And according to Roman historians, Caesar first resisted the onslaught of the assassins, but when he saw Brutus among them with his knife drawn, that's when those famous words, at tu Brute, are you too Brutus? To which he no longer resisted. Caesar just gave up at that point when he saw that his friend also had betrayed him. There's an assassination plot that unfolds here in Jeremiah 11. And it was Jeremiah's hometown. You would think that he would be a hometown hero, being just a young man following the Lord in prophetic ministry around age 18 to 20, when he began his prophetic ministry. Around 20, I suppose, would be the date that we had settled on a few months ago. But of all the places, of all the people, the priestly crowd... Of Anathoth, which is where he'd come from, started to plot to kill and to assassinate him. Jeremiah says to the Lord, I, I almost walked into this like an ox or a sheep, an animal going to slaughter. I mean, I didn't see that one coming. And God warned him about this. Later on in chapter 18, I believe it is, there's another plot to assassinate Jeremiah. The Anathoth priests had lived there since the time of Solomon, and by a force of circumstances, they were not actively practicing priests uh, in the temple uh, complex. And so they did not perform priestly functions, though they were of that lineage and they were considered priests. Perhaps they were jealous of Jeremiah's support for young King Josiah, Who found the book of the law and had started to make reforms in the land. And maybe they had less influence or they felt like they had less influence because of that. Perhaps there was some jealousy uh, with that. But Jeremiah, he is unpopular with men because of his message. But he's popular with God. And God loves him. And so they want to kill him and they want to silence his message. We'll see that as we read our passage here in just a moment. But consider this, sometimes God's words are difficult for us to listen to because of our humanity, because of our sinfulness, because of our egocentric, selfish nature. Sometimes we hear God's word and, and uh, we repel it. We don't want to hear the truth about our own lives. Sometimes that is the case. So let's read chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Hear ye the words of this covenant. The word covenant's found a couple more times here in the chapter. And the word here is is one of my favorite Old Testament Hebrew words. It's the word shema, here. It also is the word obey. You can see it on the screen, shema, or to hear. You read their the letters backwards there. And uh, then there's another word we'll find here in just a moment, natah, which means to stretch out, to incline your ears. It's a little bit different type of hearing. But notice what he says. He says, hear. Think Deuteronomy. uh, Hear the words of the Lord. Deuteronomy 6, the great Shema, it's found there as well. So hear the words of this covenant. And speak unto the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And say unto them... Thus saith the Lord, God of Israel. Notice how uh, we have the Lord listed here. He is the almighty, all-powerful God, not only of Israel, but the God of all. Cursed be the man that obeyeth not the words of this covenant. The words hear and obey go hand in hand when you see it in the Old Testament. It's the same word there. Shema, obeyeth which I command your fathers in one day that I brought them forth out of the land of Egypt from the iron furnace, saying, obey my voice. Call is the word for voice. Call, like a bird calling almost. Calling, he's calling out. He says, obey my voice, what I'm saying, and do them. Do my words. According to all which I command you, so shall you be my people, and I will be your God. What a covenant that is. I'll, I'll be your God, you'll be my people. We belong to each other. That's a beautiful covenant. But they didn't do this. Verse 5, But uh, that I may perform the oath which I have sworn unto your fathers to give them a land flowing with milk and honey, as it is this day. Then answered I and said, So be it, O Lord. It sounds like a good deal. Jeremiah confirms this as well. Then the Lord said unto me, Proclaim, or announce, All these words in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, saying, Hear ye the words of this covenant and do them. Now let's just think for just a moment. He's mentioned covenant twice, we'll mention it again. Here's what happened King Josiah, his father, uh, when Josiah was seven years old, maybe getting close to seven and a half, almost eight, his father dies, and then he's the next in the lineage, and he's ascended to the throne. They put him on the throne. The priests kind of rule through Josiah. They give him the, the direction and instruction. They're teaching him. And so he's ruling at age eight. And he says, Let's clean out the temple. Let's find out what's in some of these libraries back in the back corners of this building. And they find a book, it's a scroll. And the priest who found it, he runs out and says, I found the book. We haven't had this for years. We had to dust it off. I found the book of the law. This is in 2 Chronicles chapter 34. Early on in King Josiah's reign, he found the covenant, the law of God. For us, it would be the Bible. If you didn't have the Bible for, let's say, 40 or 50 years, and then suddenly you were cleaning out somebody's closet, and you found it and dusted it off. And you hadn't seen one for all that time. You were just listening to tradition until that point. That was what took place. They found the covenant. And somebody read it. Um, uh, I think his name was Shemiah or something like that. Uh, He reads it to Josiah. And he starts to make reform. Okay, so when he says the covenant, this is something that they just read. This is something that is starting to impact their society through the good king, the last good king, Josiah. But notice what verse 7 tells us. For I earnestly protested unto your fathers in the day that I brought them up out of the land of Egypt, even unto this day, rising early and protesting, saying, Obey my voice. call He's calling to them. Obey God's voice. God said, I rose early to tell you about this. And uh, verse 8, but they obeyed not. They did not obey, nor incline their ears. So obeyed Shema. They didn't hear. They did not obey, nor did they stretch out their ear to listen. You know, when you are hearing a message right now, it's good to put yourself in a place where you can hear even better sometimes. Like, I want to I hear that. Okay? So that's why sometimes preachers will, like, uh, reemphasize stuff. They'll say something twice or something, hopefully not repeat themselves the whole time, but they're emphasizing something to help us Here, but listen, you can have the best orator in the world, but if you don't stretch your ear out to kind of hear a little bit better, you won't listen to God. You won't hear his message. It's really a personal choice, and they chose not to. But they walked everyone in the imagination of their evil heart. Therefore, I will bring upon them all the words of this covenant, which I commanded them to do, and they did them not. Verse 8 will be our key text. We'll come back to it in just a moment. And he said unto me, a conspiracy is found among the men of Judah and among the inhabitants of Jerusalem. They are turned back to the iniquity of their forefathers, which refused to hear my words. And they went after other gods to serve them. The house of Israel and the house of Judah have broken my covenant, which I made with their fathers. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, behold, I will bring evil upon them, which they shall shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. Then shall the cities of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem go and cry unto the gods unto whom they offer incense. But they shall not save them at all in their time of trouble. Because they're false gods, they're fake, they're figments of human imagination and and manufactured by the hands of men. And so they're not going to save them. For according to the number of thy cities were thy gods, O Judah, and according to the number of the streets of Jerusalem, have ye set up altars to that shameful thing at being Baal, even altars to burn incense unto Baal. Therefore, pray not thou for this people. He actually tells Jeremiah, don't pray for them anymore. Neither lift up a cry or prayer for them, for I will not hear them in a time that they cry unto me for their trouble. What hath my beloved to do in mine house? Seeing she hath wrought lewdness with many, and the holy flesh is passed from thee. When thou doest evil, then thou rejoicest. That's how corrupt their society was. They were happy about the sin and the wrong. And the Lord called thy name, a green olive tree, fair and of goodly fruit, With the noise of a great tumult, he hath kindled a fire upon it, and the branches of it are broken. For the Lord of hosts hath planted, that means he established thee, hath pronounced evil against thee. For the evil of the house of Israel and the house of Judah, which they have done against themselves, to provoke me to anger and offering incense unto Baal. Who really pays the price for our sin in rebellion against God? Well, according to that verse, they were paying the price for their rebellion. And uh, it was uh, against them. They were provoking the Lord. Uh, aren't you glad for the gospel and, the, and Jesus Christ dying, taking our place? What a what a beautiful truth that is. Now here's the plot, the assassination plot. And the Lord hath given me knowledge of it, and I know it. Then thou showedst me their doings. But I was like a lamb or an ox that is brought to the slaughter, and I knew not that they had devised a... Uh, Devices against me, saying, let us destroy the tree with the fruit thereof. They wanted to destroy the messenger and his message and let us cut him off from the land of the living that his name may be no more remembered. Now here's an interesting thing. We don't know their names, but we still know Jeremiah's name. They wanted to wipe him out and we still know there were some characters, but we don't know who they are. We know who he is. But the Lord of hosts that judges righteously, that tries the reins and the heart, let me see thy vengeance on them, for unto thee have I revealed my cause. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of the men of Anathoth that seek thy life, saying, Prophesy not in the name of the Lord that they'll die not by our hand. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will punish them. He's talking about these specific characters who had plotted against him. Behold, I will punish them, and the young men shall die by the sword. Their sons and their daughters shall die by famine, and there shall be no remnant of them. For I will bring evil upon the men of Anathoth, even the year of their visitation. So Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah is considered a major prophet. You know why we know that Revelation is going to take place? is because books like Jeremiah took place. And things were foretold by Jeremiah, and they took place, just like God said they would take place. And so this is a prophetic book that gives evidence that what God says he will do, and what we just read, did take place. It was uh, Alexander McLaren describing faith and obedience. The Scottish preacher said, Important lessons are given by this alternation of the two ideas of faith and unbelief, And disobedience and disobedience. Disobedience is the root of unbelief. Unbelief is the mother of future disobedience. Faith is voluntary submission within a a person's own power. If faith is not exercised, the true cause lies deeper than all intellectual reasons. It lies in the moral aversion of human will and in the pride of independence, which says... Who is Lord over us? Why should I have to depend on Jesus Christ? As faith is obedience and submission, so faith breeds obedience, but unbelief leads on to higher-handed rebellion. Now, here's an, an amazing statement. With dreadful reciprocity of influence, the less one trusts, the more he disobeys, and the more he disobeys the less he trusts. Okay, this is a great observation. The less one trusts, the more he disobeys. The more he disobeys, the less one trusts. It's like a snowball effect. Snowball going downhill. Our faith and obedience go hand in hand just as not having faith and disobedience. They impact and affect one another, and sometimes in a circular form. Thank you, Alexander McLaren. God expects obedience to his words. If we, if we say, I believe God, I trust God, I have faith in the Scriptures, then it will encourage us to actually obey the Lord. He expects obedience to his words. So let's consider this. We need to listen to the voice of God. Listen to the voice of God. A good listener is not only popular everywhere, but after a while, he'll actually know something. (laughs) It's a true thing. Uh, One person observed that God has given man one tongue and two ears that we can hear twice as much as we speak. Sometimes we get that one backwards. And another person comments that it takes a great man to make a good listener. A great man to make a good listener. So let's just notice a couple things here about these people in their listening skills. Notice God's calling to obedience, Jeremiah's obedience, and then the people's disobedience. In verse 3, we have and saying to them thus saith the Lord of Israel, cursed be the man that obeyeth Not the words of this covenant. So he's telling them, I want you to obey this. In verse 4, he says to obey uh, as well. Obey my voice. He says, which I commanded your fathers in the day I brought them forth out of the land of Egypt from the iron furnace, saying, obey my voice. So obey the words. And some were not going to obey the words, but some will obey the words. He says, I want you to obey my words. He says to hear and do these words in verse 6. The Lord said to me, Proclaim, announce, preach out these words in the cities of Judah, in the streets of Jerusalem, saying, Hear ye the words of this covenant, and do them. So hear and do. Uh, Not just uh, an uh, acoustic hearing of words, but actually uh, internalizing them and taking them for yourself. And then he says, Obey my voice in verse 7 as well. Rising early and saying, Obey my voice. Voice, And so we have this idea, and we can see it very clearly, that they were to obey, but verse 8 says they obeyed not. They did not hear properly to apply and to act in obedience to the Lord. Now, poor listening can be costly. Have you heard stories about people that didn't listen and and it cost something? There was a $100,000 error that was caused by a dispatcher who routed a fleet of drivers... To deliver building materials. Here's what happened. He heard Portland. And automatically he thought Portland, Oregon. But the person was actually saying Portland, Maine. And so they sent $100,000 worth of goods to the wrong place, 3,000 miles apart. A $100,000 mistake because the guy stopped listening. All right. Not listening, really can affect us in many different ways friends we must listen to the voice of god imagine if god is trying to tell you something general revelation that it's a message for all of us imagine that god's trying to tell you something specifically specific special revelation just for you from the scriptures and you don't hear it or you miss it or you're too busy or you're preoccupied, or you hear, you hear the word Shema here, and like, ah, oh, I've heard that word here before, and you start thinking about something else, and just you, you erase whatever the rest of the message is. Okay, listen to the voice of God. How do you respond to the voice of God? There are three factors to our faith and obedience, and really that will go together, because our obedience is impacted by what we believe, and what we believe is impacted by how we Obey. So here's verse 8. Notice, yet they believed, or obeyed not rather, nor inclined their ear, but walked every one in the imagination of their evil hearts. Therefore, I will bring upon them all the words of this covenant, which I commanded them to do, and they did them not. Three factors. The first one is this our ears can be hard of hearing. Our ears can be hard of hearing. After years of heavy machinery work, installing highways and building things for the interstates and uh, big bridges and things, and after years of driving tractors on the farm, my grandfather was hard of hearing. And I observed early on when I was young that everybody yelled at Grandpa. They all yelled at him because he was hard of hearing because of being around all the heavy equipment for most of his life. And so uh, that's just the way that it was for him. And uh, listening to the voice of God, our ears can also be hard of hearing. This word obey and listen, the same word, shema, to obey and to hear. It's the same term that's used in Deuteronomy 6, the most famous of all the Old Testament passages of of Judaic teaching, that you hear, O Lord, one God, one God. He says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. That's the passage. The most famous fundamental foundational of all of Judaism is that verse, and he says, hear it. It's not just the word acoustics, which is the New Testament term of hearing, where it's, it's a physical thing. It's I'm hearing it with the intent to act upon it, to obey it, to do something about it, to internalize it and let it affect my life. That's the word here. Hear, O Israel, one God. There's one Lord, and serve him with all your heart, soul, and mind. And so this is the term that Jeremiah is using, but they wouldn't hear. And then he says they would not stretch out their ear, natal, to stretch out their ear, to spread out, to extend or incline or to bend. They They could have put themselves in a place to hear a little bit better, but they didn't because they had Baal idols to worship, and they had Baal festivals to attend, and they had bail idols to fabricate with their own hands and to play their music to and to bow down to and to worship and to offer their incense to. And so they were not putting themselves in a place to incline their ear to lean over to hear a little bit better. Like some of you maybe have done in, in in a setting like this, even like trying to talk to somebody, you lean over and somebody's like, Wow I can't hear you. Like, oh you leaning in same thing. Same thing. To put yourself in a place to hear. I encourage you, stretch your ear out to hear God better. Put yourself in a position to hear and to respond, not just to let it hear be, be heard audibly, but to let it affect you internally and uh, personally as well. So wake up every day, and you can listen to God. Every day, wake up and turn your ears on to listen to God. Prayer and Bible reading is a great start prayer and Bible reading. So maybe read uh, a chapter a day, a couple chapters a day. We have these days of praise, just a little jump start to a devotional life, and, and um, maybe you call it devotions, maybe you would call it worship. I've been calling my time reading the Bible worship and, and uh, praying and talking to the Lord, worshiping God, not just in this setting, but in a personal way as well. So prayer and Bible reading are the best ways to hear the voice of God. Bible teaching and preaching can help you hear the voice of God. You have somebody that's kind of explaining the sense of the passage. It's what they would do in the Old Testament, New Testament as well. Someone would preach and teach. That's what we're doing right now. We have a revival meeting in a couple of weeks. You can hear the voice of God as the preacher stands here and delivers uh, a, a dramatic, uh, very interesting, compelling message. To, uh, to share and uh, our scatter groups you can hear the voice of God even as we open the Bible and, and and have discussion about the scripture and how to apply it awana is a way our kids can hear the voice of God and memorizing these scriptures when when Amy said they learned the scriptures it means they memorize the scriptures they internalized it these are just areas of ways that uh, that we can do this the youth group same idea a godly friend can share truth you, you may have a, a friend that will speak truth to you in a kind and loving way and and they're saying something that's true and it's like the voice of God. God's using them to share something that's true that will help you in your life. A righteous example, maybe a, an example, a mentor, somebody that you can look up to in a spiritual way. They they are following the Lord and they're an example to me. God could use that example to speak to you as well. A parent can share godly lessons. General revelation, I'm talking about creation. Just look at this. The, the Heavens declare the glory of God. We look at the firmament, and that means the clouds and the sky, and look at all the stuff around us, and it all tells us in a general way there's a God who wants to talk directly to us. And I'm holding in my hands, and you have it on your device or in your hands right now, a Bible, and it is God's voice to us. The general revelation or creation even just lends credibility and evidence of God's specific word to us. Jesus said in Luke 11:28, He said, "Yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it." Uh, this word is acoustics, but to hear it, and He says to keep it, it means to do it or to obey it. To obey it. So every day, every day, as you open the Bible or you tap on your device, as you get the Bible read to you over an audio system or something, ask your ask the Lord, teach me something. Let me know you more. Uh, tell me what I need to hear and to know for this day or for this week. You could pray like a psalm in Psalm 119, verse 18. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And I want to know God better. I want to uh, hear the voice of God. Pray that each day as you go to the Word. And then we want to do, like Jesus also said, instant Obedience. Is the only kind of obedience there is. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Thomas Kempis made that observation, and it's, it's very true. Sometimes we delay or we, we think about it for a long time, but let's be obedient to what the scripture, what God teaches us. Our ears can be hard of hearing. Number two, our hearts can lead us astray. And he even says this that they walked everyone in the imagination of their evil heart. Now, what's fascinating about this is in verse 11 and uh, 12, he talks about the cities of Judah. They have an altar. Uh, Notice what he says about this. They had an altar for every uh, false god on all these street corners. Uh, The cities of Judah and inhabitants go and cry. Oh, here it is, verse 13. For according to the number of thy cities were thy gods. Wait a minute. Joshua listed 38 different cities. So maybe they had 38 different false gods. We know there's one, at least Baal. They had altars set up to that shameful thing, speaking of Baal, even altars to burn incense into Baal. But they had one for every number of the streets in Jerusalem. Okay, there's a lot of streets in Jerusalem. They have narrow streets, but there's a lot of streets in Jerusalem. So he's speaking in a hyperbole-type way, and he's saying, look at this. This is like all these, all these false gods, all these uh, these altars that you have to these false deities... But you have the one true God who loves you and has a way for you to live and to go. And what a thing to have all these false gods all over the place. Jeremiah's opposition to the false gods and fake altars probably is part of the conspiracy against his life. Because they didn't like people messing with their business of religion, of making false gods because it was a business. It became an industry. You know, you have guys carving things out. You have people putting the gold in the furnace. You have little shops selling. Oh, get your idol of Baal today. It's on sale this week only. Get your, you know, it became a business. Let me tell you something. Religion is a business. Religion is a business. And it's a moneymaker for some people. It's an industry for some. But the Bible is not about religion. The Bible is about a relationship with God the Father through God the Son, Jesus Christ. There's a big difference. I mean, there's people all around the world right now, they're meeting in the name of religion, and we're not religious. And that sounds unusual. I'm in a church. We should be religious. We're not religious. We're not talking religion. That's an industry. It's a man-made, superficial thing that we've added And we can just go straight to the Bible and know, how do I know God? It's through Jesus Christ. No business industry needed for that. Religion and ritual can cloud our vision with a list of do's and don'ts and offer us a false impression of God. Some religionists believe they can live sinfully and pay back the Lord with some kind of a sacrifice, offering, or good deed. And all that is is a business. Jesus paid all the cost for our sin. That's why we can rejoice in the resurrected Jesus. Paid in full, he even said on the cross, it is finished. Now, Christians enjoy fellowship and relationship with God the Father through our friend, our brother, and our Lord, and we know his name, as Jesus. He's our friend. In John 15, verse 14, ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I have commanded you. He is our brother, for whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. We're family, is what he's saying. You're family, brothers and sisters and he's our lord. In John 14 verses 15 to 18, if ye love me keep my commandments, and i will pray the father and he shall give you another comforter that ye may abide, he may abide with you forever, even a spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, i will come to you. Do you know why some Christians have no comfort? Why is it that some Christians have no comfort? According to this verse, it could be they have unconfessed sin in their life. And they haven't taken it to the Lord. And they continue to love that sin in those moments more than they are loving the Lord. According to this verse, there's disobedience. Somewhere along the way, they've chosen to obey their flesh, their sinful heart, and their coveting eyes. Instead of trusting and obeying the Lord. They've ignored God's word. They've rebelled against the will of God. In your life, here's an example. Charles Spurgeon said this If I had a brother who had been murdered, what would you think of me if daily I consorted with the assassin who drove the dagger into my brother's heart? Surely I must be an accomplice to this crime. Sin murdered Christ. Will you be a friend to sin? Sin pierced the heart of the incarnate God. Can you love? Your sin, what a, what a perspective that kind of puts on when we disobey God because we love our sin more than we are loving the Lord. Jeremiah told us later on, he tells the people, your heart, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. Anyone who says, you know, follow your heart, follow your heart, man. Follow your heart, sister. They're, gonna, they're teaching you something that's not true. It's not a true statement. It's not right. Because your heart can lead you astray. In childhood, many of you read Robinson Crusoe. He was stranded on an island which he thought to be without human inhabitants except for himself. But one day, he discovered a set of footprints that were human footprints. And he followed the footprints, and he finally found his man Friday. And he thought he was all alone. He was so excited he found Friday. There's evidence. There was another man on the island. God has given us his creation. There's evidence. It's clear, it's right there, but our heart can mislead and our society's been misled about who and and what is our god. It's the lord running riot to his mind. Humanity comes to glaring foolish conclusions in reference to god's orderly creation. Intellectually a person cannot say there's no first cause or mastermind or creator of the universe, but man's heart is saying there is no god. There is no god. But all the evidence is very clear, just like on the island. Well, there's a footprint. It must have been from somebody. All of this is God's footprint to demonstrate there is a God. But the human heart has misled many away. Our ears can be hard of hearing. Our hearts can lead us astray. And finally this, our choices are left to us. The consequences or the blessings belong to God. Now, all of our choices, our decisions, have either a consequence or a blessing that are a result of that choice. And sometimes it takes a while to see which one it is. Maybe there's a delayed uh, reaction to the, the blessing or the consequence. One person wrote, It can be certain that his principles are right. If one can be certain his principles are right, he need not worry about the consequences. It's a pretty good thought. If you are certain this is right, I don't have to worry about the consequences. William Bradford, the governor of Plymouth Colony of Pilgrims, he insisted, those who believe in the Holy Scriptures are bound to observe its teachings. Those who are not bound, who, who are not, are to be bound by its consequences. Okay, so there's there's going to be either a blessing or a consequence based on, on your response to God's word. It's a good observation. Well, what did they do? They broke the covenant. That's the second part of verse eight, or the third part rather of verse eight. I will bring upon them the words of this covenant, which I commanded them to do, but they did them not. Okay? If you love me and, and obey me, I'll be your God, I'll be your people, and, uh, you'll be my people. But if not, I won't be your God, and you won't be my people. They broke or violated a covenant. Now, we need to understand what a covenant is. Here's a long definition, but this is important. It's different than a contract. Covenants are not like contracts, for contracts involve itemized duties and are task-oriented. Covenants are arrangements between parties which aim towards personal closeness. The basic term for a covenant is loyalty. That loyalty may be spelled out in some details, but a failure to observe the details does not mean, as in a contract, that the arrangement as such is off. Still, a covenant can also be broken when the failure to be loyal is not sporadic, but becomes chronic. All right? It's not just a, a few, few failures away from God here, but chronically away from God. The motive of the covenant partner, if defiant, also represents disloyalty. Then the relationship is bankrupt. Loyalty to the Lord for Israel involved singleness of affection to him. One God, like we mentioned from Deuteronomy. The first commandment spelled it out. You shall have no other gods before me. The persistence of Baal worship makes it clear that Israel's loyalties are now elsewhere. The covenant is dissolved, annulled. Uh, Jeremiah is the prophet who puts it boldly and unmistakably. Israel and Judah have broken the covenant. God didn't break the covenant. They broke the covenant because instead of sporadically going away from God, it became chronic. They were constantly, uh, constantly away from God, bowing down to these false idols. God even says, Jeremiah, don't pray for them, verse 14. He also says, and when they cry out, I'm not going to hear them anymore. They had their opportunity. So let me encourage you with three observations from this point. Learn from the mistakes of others. Verse 10 makes it clear. He talks about their forefathers, the house of Israel, the house of Judah. They broke the covenant. What should they have done? They should have kept the covenant. They should have obeyed the Lord. They should have really heard the covenant what God was saying. Number two, listen to the chastening of the Lord. Sometimes God will correct us. He will chasten us. And in verse eleven, he talks about uh, I'm going to bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. Though they shall cry, I will not hearken unto them. He says, I'm going to correct them. And and they didn't respond to the correction. You know, if your kids you want them to respond to your correction. They didn't respond to the correction that they were given. So learn from the mistakes of others. Listen to the chastening of the Lord. If you feel, if you understand, if you see that God is trying to get your attention or to correct you or he's convicting you about something, listen to that voice of God. And then finally, lean on the true God in all times. Lean on the true God. In verse 12, Then shall the cities of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem go, and cry unto the gods whom they offered incense. But they shall not save them at all in a time of their trouble. In a time of our trouble, we don't go to false gods. We lean in on our God. We go to the one true God, and he hears our prayer. He's the living God. So let's listen with the intent to respond. Let's believe God and obey him. And friends, if you've not established a relationship with God through Jesus, today's your day. Trust Christ. Believe the gospel Become born again. Ask him to be your savior. Forsake religion and come to Jesus. Some of you football fans are excited. Football season's almost here. uh, Roger Soback, who led the Dallas Cowboys to the world championship in 71, admitted that his position as a quarterback who didn't call his own signals was a source of trial for him. Coach Landry sent in every play. He told Roger when to pass, uh, pass. he told him when to run, and if only in an emergency, he could make up his own uh, plan to evade being tackled, and it had to have worked, or he'd really be chewed out for that. Even though Roger considered Coach Landry to have a genius mind, when it came to football strategy, Pride said, I should be able to run my own team. Roger later said, I faced up to the issue of obedience. He said, once I learned to obey, that's when we found harmony, fulfillment, and that's when we started to win. And friends, when we start to obey the Lord, that's when we start to win in life. Whatever the struggles are right now, whatever conviction God's laid on your heart, give that to the Lord. Let's be obedient to him. Don't just let what God says in one ear and out the other Listen and respond. Let's listen to the voice of God. Let's take a moment and pray together. Thank you for your good participation uh, this morning. Our ears can be hard of hearing, our hearts can lead us astray, and our choices are left to us. Here's a few questions. Lord, help me. Please help me to have ears to hear and obey your word. Let me have ears to hear and to obey your word. Anyone like that? God's challenging you. That's your prayer today. God bless you. Several hands. Yes. Yes. Good. All right, thank you. Number two, Lord, help me to identify where my heart has led me astray. Some of us have been led astray. Maybe we're starting to see that. Lord, help me to identify. What are some areas where I've been led astray, I followed the wrong thing, and I know there's a better path, a better way that you'd have me to go. Help me to identify where my heart has led me astray. Is that your prayer? Anybody? God bless you. I see several more hands. Good, good. Talk to God about this. Lord, help my choices, my decisions to follow your word, your will for my life. That's my prayer. Let me follow your word. God bless you. I see several hands. Yes. Okay. Thank you. God will help you. Yes. And finally, have you been leaning on God? Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Believe the gospel today. It's not works. It's not being a good person or baptized or um, taking a communion or something. Have you trusted Jesus Christ for yourself? Do you have a relationship to God through Jesus Christ? If you're not sure about forgiveness of sins, if you don't know that you are saved and eternally secure with God, let's talk following the service. We'll find a quiet place, and you can ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior and have complete confidence that your soul is saved and your sins are forgiven. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your voice as you call out to us, just like the people of Jeremiah's day. Let us hear and respond with obedience. There's so many distractions in our lives, in our society. We know many that have been misled and are going in wrong directions away from you. Let us follow you wholeheartedly. Let us practice listening to you each day and in responding to your will for our lives. Lord, if there's one without Christ, we pray that today's the day, that they would believe, they would trust, and know for sure of their salvation. For all these other decisions, we commit them to you, that you be glorified in our lives. Let us hear you today and throughout this week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.